Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of I'd Rather Be at the Movies Holiday Edition because it's St. Patrick's Day. Woo! I'm wearing green. But yet again, I am Matt Donato. That is Justine Browning. Hey, hey. We are coming to you again from New York City, where our base of operations is. And let's talk about South by Southwest. Okay. Let's just start with that. Make me jealous, because I was here working on the You were things. here. You were working ever so hard on our videos that we were sending <laughs> to you. And I was also appearing on Arise on screen. You can catch that at arise.tv in the entertainment section. Little plug there. Yeah, why not? Shameless self-promotion, <laughs> but yeah, or you can catch everything else on We Got This Covered, as That's always. That's true. That is where you're listening to us, so that would make perfect sense. And our YouTube channel, We Got This Covered. And our Twitter, we got this covered. Yeah. Everything. Just we follow We're the best. So anyway, yeah, South by Southwest. Mm-hmm. Awesome time. My so first tell me what you liked. Festival. What did I like? Yes. Um, let's see. Movie-wise, I already talked about Chef on the last mm-hmm. podcast. John Favreau absolutely killed it. But I was really surprised by Neighbors. Mm. Pretty much the frat boy comedy of the year. Seth Rogen, Dave Franco, Zac Efron, Rose Byrne. Absolutely phenomenal cast. Ike Barinholtz is really funny in it. It's it's one of those movies that comes together and you don't think it should be funny. Right. And it probably shouldn't work. But the comedy is so asinine and juvenile and ridiculous that it goes beyond being that like dumb frat comedy and it actually re-enters greatness in doing so. Mm. So like, you're laughing and you're like, I should be laughing. And then all of a sudden... They're talking about, uh, I don't like. I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna get into many of okay. the details. Don't ruin it for me. <laughs> I'm not gonna ruin you've it. You've kind of sold it. Well, basically, Seth Rogen starts doing a dance off of Zac Efron. I mean, Zac Efron is perfect as a college oh, good. D-bag. It's actually <laughs> the funniest role I've ever seen him do. Really? Yeah. Okay. Efron really brings it here. He really atones for that awkward moment. <laughs> you didn't really. I'm, we're not really fond of that one. But I was really happy with the fact that the audience award went to Before I Disappear. And here's why. Uh, I did not see this film, but I know that it was directed by Sean Christensen. Yes. And two years ago, I was at a print publication, or online print, so... Online. Not... Yeah. Print meaning it wasn't on video. <laughs> and I interviewed Sean Christensen, and he was at the Tribeca Film Festival for a short film called Curfew. And we sat down and did like a 2,000 word interview and I worked on the weekend and did it. And even though I worked on the weekend and did this, my editor was just like, nobody's going to be interested in this filmmaker. Oh, all right, we'll publish it anyway, but whatever. And shortly thereafter, a year later, uh, he wins the Oscar for Best Short Film. Exactly. He directed this amazing film. And now it just won the Audience Award, the the feature length. Um, yeah, so it's a, that I think is really interesting and telling because nobody knew who this person was, nobody cared, and I saw something in this guy when I spoke to him, and he's fascinating. And uh, check out the short film Curfew, and when this film comes out, before I disappear, apparently it's great. And I mean that is the fun thing about going to these mm-hmm. festivals. I mean, you get the indie filmmakers that are so excited about what they've done, and you yeah. get to go watch the movie, and then if you like it, yeah, even if you don't like it, you still talk to them anyway. You right. do the interview, but. Um, it's really refreshing compared to some of these other interviews that we do in New York City. And I'm not like saying that mm-hmm. at all, but there are times when you like walk into a press junket and it's the mood is kind of down. It's just mm-hmm. one of those quick 
in and out kind of things. You get right. four minutes, three minutes each person. Yeah. Um, but then you can come to South by, and I mean, I sat there talking to people for like 15 minutes on end. Right. Actually having good conversation. And I mean, you can see all the videos that we're going to post up. Mm-hmm. We're going to be doing a lot of that as Justine edits them for us. <laughs> I think I'm done. Oh, one more. I have one more. <laughs> Better not be done because I haven't posted them yet. But I mean, I, got to, I mean, this is for me. Yeah. I'm a completely like fanboy note. Mm-hmm. I mean, first of all, I got to, well, I got to see the mule, which was mm-hmm. I liked a lot. Uh, created by because it was written directed by a team of people, but created basically by Lee Whale and mm. Angus Sampson, who are Specs and Tucker from Insidious. Yes, I love what they do. Uh, Lee is a writer. I think he's one of the best horror writers we have right now. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited for Cooties. So I mean, getting to. I would say sit down, but they were, I think I was you one of the last, standing. I was going to say, I was one I of the last I did see the, the footage, yeah. And I forget which one, but they were like, oh, can we just stand for this? You know, where they mm-hmm. get antsy, because they're sitting down all day. And, and was, they're great, right, to talk oh to. Oh my god, that was yeah. 15 minutes of just that's a amazing. seamless conversation. I it love that. It could go forever, you don't, I didn't even need to prepare questions, because that's how, the kind of nature that they have. Mm. And it's just so much fun to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm trying of course. To the other things I did, you know, I talked to... Again, this is a total nerd out moment, mm-hmm. but Tom Savini, who has done a ton of effects work for like early horror, mm. and I'm sitting there talking to him, and we're having this conversation about. He's saying he loves World War Z as a zombie fan. I'm saying I don't, and he goes, well, "All right, so you tell me why don't you like it?" And, like he starts asking me questions, oh, and I'm so like, funny. "This is me just completely nerding out." Right, like, one right, of my right. Idols. I think I, t- I t- <laughs> the best part is I tweeted that right after. I just some silly tweet like. Completely just tried to interview Tom Savini without nerding out and failed miserably. <laughs> and then he retweets that later. And I was just like, oh my god, oh now my he god. knows I nerded out again. It's just one of those awkward things. It's, but, it's always interesting when they ask you questions. You're oh. like, I did not prepare for this. I, I don't know my name. I was just saying, yeah, we prepare for these kind of things all the time. We write these questions down. But yeah, if they ever throw it back on us, it's almost like, like I'm not ready I for don't this understand. <laughs> But no, so I mean, it was just so much fun. I mean, the, the only other things I want to mention... Um, I do the midnight movies, obviously. Mm-hmm. Big horror fan. Yeah. Keep pushing that because what else am I gonna push? Uh, but stage fright. It's a horror musical. I'm in. And it was being like laid out as Glee meets a slasher film. <laughs> so I was like kind of skeptical. I was like, I don't know if this is gonna really fit me. And it is about a summer camp for teens and whatnot doing stage productions. Mm. Meatloaf is the... I'm in. Run- exactly. Meatloaf <laughs> the runner. Basically, there's a serial killer slasher villain who goes to the camp mm-hmm. because he hates musicals and starts offing the kids one by one. Okay. It is so funny. I have not enjoyed this movie, like a movie like this, in such a long time. Right. And this really has the potential to be one of those midnight movies that plays around the city and you know, at an Alamo draft house where mm-hmm. we'll, people will be going for like years. My theme today for some reason as I was preparing notes for this is connecting current movies to smaller movies that people haven't really heard of yeah. and this is reminding me of a movie called Detention that I really liked that came out in oh 2012. Oh my god, I love Detention. And no one saw you that. You are, yeah. I am so gonna plug that. Major yes. respect points for Joseph Kahn, the director Check of out. Torque, yes. comes back with Detention, yes. Josh Hutcherson. And I, Hutcherson actually, I think he produced a lot of that. Like oh, he actually gave I didn't know money that. to make that happen. 
Because he really liked Such an interesting movie. Detention. Oh, I, no 90s one saw throwback it. in a lot of scenes. Oh it's it's good stuff. So we're recommending that. I'm just gonna keep recommending things that, that relate was, to. I again, I talk about <laughs> detention forever. Uh, but yeah, so stage fright, horror fans, horror musical. It's really done well. There's a cool mix of like orchestral overtones, mm. but then all of a sudden this hair metal kicks in and the villain comes. Oh, got it. Do it. Um, the other one I'm going to throw out is Oculus, another mm-hmm. really creepy flick. It's being promoted now. It comes out in April, April 11th, actually, mm. right around my birthday, so happy birthday to me <laughs> as a horror fan. But I saw it already, so I don't need to see it again. But our quotes will be appearing places for that Yay! because they liked my review. That's so much fun. So thank you, Oculus, for Yay! that. Um, Shout out. But it is, it's a creepy movie. It's pretty cool in the sense that they just take a mirror and they turn that into this like really devilish being. Ah. So it's mirror horror. Okay. Because you see your self-image in there, but do you Ooh. really? That it gets all. My interview's <laughs> up with the director, Mike Flanagan. We go into that kind of stuff. So if you want Great. to go check that out, it's there's a lot of cool stuff on the site. We can't say that enough, can yeah, we? We had a lot of fun. In South Holy Plans. God, though, we the site it. is like the stuff that people are doing in LA and South by and New York, and then recently London, London, uh, three hundred well, interviews. You'll be doing Tribeca for a little bit, no? I will be doing Tribeca. I will. I go crazy. During Tribeca. There is no sleep to be had. I go uh, nuts. I, I see know. everything. I'm going to skip Tribeca just because South by was such a strain and I can't it's, take it's off. It's rough. I, know. I almost, I'm telling you, the Cannes Film Festival a couple years ago, two of the really most difficult weeks of my life. I really did not sleep. Um, and that's what everybody says oh, yeah. about festivals. South by. I didn't sleep. You I do not sleep. Three hours a night. Yeah, it's and like it's five o'clock. By the end... Yeah. You just don't know your own name. But we love it. But oh we love God. it. I was here covering a few smaller scale projects. Um, I want to quickly mention, we are trying to do more TV interviews and things like that. And there was a great conference call that we got to be a part of with Michael Rappaport. Uh, I like him. He's amazing. And he gave such great answers to a lot of these, uh, these really interesting questions, too. There's a, lot, a few people on this call um, about his role on Justified, so look for that. So this, I know this is I'd Rather Be At The Movies... And TV. I'd and rather be watching, watching something. watching TV. <laughs> I'd rather be watching something so I, on a screen. Yes. That, I don't want to live my real life. The podcast too so much. I just want to <laughs> reference that um, because, yes, he won a lot of respect in my eyes. He's, he's a really talented actor, as we know. But Nymphomaniac. Oh, man. This is one of the ones I had to pass up because you of South You did, Park, yeah. I um, really want to check this out. So sell me now. You're I know. Oh, me. gosh. Oh, no. I'm on the spot. Uh, well, I did pronounce it like it was a horror movie. I can see it being some kind of horror movie. It's Um, a Von Trier movie about... Exactly, and he's technically, right, he's he's technically a horror director if you really think about it. If you look at some of his Um, stuff. Whoo! Um, but the thing is, with this film, and I, I think um, we were doing the Super Bowl podcast, I said I went to a secret screening and I can't talk about it, but I want to, and that was the film. There was a secret private screening of this movie, month, uh, not months ago, a month ago or so. And I got to see it then, and I was really shocked. And I was so glad I got to see it before any reviews came out and kind of ruined it for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> because I was taken aback by the innocence of this movie and how there is a lot of heart there. But the basic premise is that Charlotte Gainsbourg, who's worked with Lars von Troyer three times now, I believe, just quite a few times, um, she is, it starts off with her found beaten in an alley. And Stellan Sarsgaard finds her. He's also worked with Von Trier many times. Yes, he has. Finds her in the alley and takes her in. And here's her life story. Without any judgment, she just tells him 
everything that's gone on in her life. And as Stellan put it in our interview, he's a man who hasn't lived and she's a woman that's done nothing but live. So to see the two of them having a conversation, I think it's one of the most compelling film conversations I've ever witnessed. Wow. Um, yeah, it's he's like, they're just drinking tea, and she's like, when I was young, I discovered I was a nymphomaniac. You can imagine the stories that she has. Perk your ears up. Exactly. And the visuals, the way that these moments are expressed, you know, on the screen, of course, nobody does it like Lars von Trier. There's an incredible scene or incredible sequence where her and a friend of hers participate in the contest where, with the incentive of winning a bag of chocolate sweets, they both see if they can get the most men on the train to sleep with them. And they're tell she's telling this story to Stellan Sarsgaard, and he's saying, oh, this is just like what people do when they're fishing, and starts to make fishing analogies, and it just shows you the total contrast of their two worlds. And so there are all these metaphors and comparisons to animal behavior. Um, there's a lot of photographic montages. Really Which just... Which does a lot. Absolutely. And so, yes, it is this compelling conversation on the one hand, but then you have all these amazing flashbacks. Stacey Martin, who plays uh, Joe, that's the protagonist, uh, in her younger years, she has this relationship with Shia LaBeouf. His name is Jerome in the movie. Jerome LaBeouf. <laughs> Jerome LaBeouf. Um, has this relationship with him that at first doesn't seem like anything, and then you find out it really ends up being the heart of the story. She ends up falling in love with this person, even though she's an nymphomaniac. And nymphomaniacs can love. The nymphomaniacs can love, but that's her nymphomaniacness, which is not a word. <laughs> nymphomaniacness. It okay. becomes a we problem for yes, her throughout throughout the movie. But but again, I didn't expect that to be in the film, and I didn't expect there to be so much heart in terms of the relationship she has with her father, played by Christian Slater, who's great in the movie. Um, another standout portion of the movie is Uma Thurman. Uma. It's a great scene. Uma Thurman plays the wife of one of the many men that uh, Joe is sleeping with when she's younger. And she comes over with her children, her three boys, and basically says, can I show the children the whoring bed? I want them to understand where their dad has been. Too bad that awkward moment, that title has already been taken because this could be... Wouldn't a spin-off. Like, <laughs> I could have watched this. It was the most uncomfortable situation ever, but I could have watched this for a good hour and a half. It's just hysterical. And it's just, you know, what Von Troyer does, he really takes his time with takes. So you're sitting there like, oh my god, how long is this going to go on? It's a really lengthy scene. But again, I think another director would have been like, all right, let's serve the narrative. Let's move on. And that was something that Christian Slater in our interview and Stacey Martin talked about quite a bit, which was that they had time to really, you know, delve deep into their characters and really capture a moment rather than, okay, this is a scene, this is a scene, this is a scene. Uh, so I really do recommend it. I did not see part two, ah. which is funny because we only had to see part one or we're only given access to part one. Right. And I, I heard that a lot of the people who weren't doing TV were told to see part two like the day before and had to at the last minute. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, so they, the publicists were walking around explaining the second half of the movie to us. And it was just so funny. because awful. Three, I would not want that to You know what? Like... You would think you wouldn't want that because I said, oh, I don't know if I want it ruined. But three different people, one guy, two different girls, came up to me and said, 
let me explain what happens in part two. And to hear three different interpretations <laughs> of what eventually goes down. You still have no idea what happens And I, I'm telling you, I still am really not sure, like, really what happens. Because it was really interesting what each person chose to focus on when they were telling me the story. Oh, okay. But it's completely shocking and not at all, like part one so I don't know if I'm recommending part two here I know you'll want to see part two when you see part one it's really they just go hand in hand but uh, I would recommend part one all of the hype and speculation I think has taken away from the fact that it's a beautiful movie and I remember at the press day last week all of the reporters that were going in well not all of them but quite a few of them I'm not gonna name names were asking about Shia Instead of, of the film. Yeah, and that's terrible. I mean... And that's what, you know, that's... Who knows if they were told to do that by their editors, probably. Everybody wants a soundbite. It's just all, you know, a lot well, of attention on him. It depends If you want to be for a gossip mag, you're going to go for the well, Shia. people at legit news outlets were going in and asking, I'm telling you. And by the time I walked in, and I was one of the first people to go in, so if they were frustrated by that point, oh, that's man. crazy. Yeah. I was told at the door. And I rarely ever get the stop at the door uh, where... A publicist said, listen, you can talk about Shia's performance in the movie, but I don't want you discussing his antics or any of that. Of and immediately when I sure. said, I would never do that, because I really wouldn't, uh, she dropped her guard and was like, thank you so much, thank you, thank you. It was just so sweet. Um, but it was right. so interesting that that's what people want to talk about. Him with the paper bag on his head, him being crazy. And I was not interested in that, because there were so many other things to talk about with of this course. film. So anyway, I recommend Nymphomaniac. Well, I was going to say, too, I mean, you go back... With what Von Trier's done, and mm-hmm. I absolutely love Melancholia. Me too! I mean, I not like, enough love for Melancholia. I was going to say, not enough people really love that. I think it was one of the best movies of that Not year. enough people saw it. That Kirsten Dunst was amazing in that movie. There are shots in that film that are some of the most beautiful, gripping. I agree like, with it's, you. It's art at that point. It's I agree. not a movie. It's that giant blue orb just coming over Earth. Most and of that movie looks like a painting. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. And you, uh, I think my mom was watching it or something in the mm. beginning with me just because she was in the room. And it, it was that first intro of just the pictures. That was it. It yeah. was that picture montage. It was a great score. And she's just like, what are you watching? And I was just like, I don't know, but it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I can't look away. And you'll have sim- there's a similar opening scene with the rain coming down and Joe lying in the alley and the camera zooming in. And in this one, there's a lot more modern music. So Rammstein oh, is playing. Oh, I love that song. I, I know the yeah. song that's in it. And so it's just like, wow. It's it's mesmerizing. Yes. Shout out to Melancholia. Which not enough people have seen. No. Nope. Please go nope. see Melancholia. Go see Melancholia. Go see it. Just download it or it's watch it. It's a long, weighty movie. It's beautiful. And you have to sit through it. But that's what Montreux does. And mm-hmm. I have to ask, though, yes. not having seen the film. Yes. So I understand how they filmed the uh, mm. the scenes that were more provocative. The, there is, there are scenes. Okay, so they have the actors doing the scenes that any actors would do, like right. for for sex scenes, right? Nothing new there. But they used porn doubles who did actually have sex, and they used digital technology. What? I don't know what... <laughs> Crazy digital <laughs> whatever porno it's technology. Called, digital porno technology. And do it in such a way that, yes, it looks like you're watching the actors. So it's it, it, it's seamless. You don't Oh, see. you would never know. You're like, oh my... Yeah, if you have no idea about how they made it or anything yeah, like no, that... Yeah, no, I'm just going based off sincere curiosity. You would definitely think they just 
they just really were committed to their rules. <laughs> yeah. No, that's fine. But yes, no, it's all digital. Touche for Von Trier. I mean, I know he doesn't shy away from anything. No, we all saw <laughs> Antichrist. I wanted to quickly mention Need for Speed, uh, ah. which came out last week and everybody tore it apart. And Are you going to back Need for Speed? Oh, that's a strong word. <laughs> I'm just going to say one thing, which is... Give it a chance. Give it a second chance. Not a second chance. If you've seen it already, you hate it. That's a different this, thing. My point is, this is going to lead into another point. Okay. So, to me, I can watch Aaron Paul milk a cow for an hour and a half. And because he has that emotional depth and just... I was going to make an inappropriate joke right there. <laughs> I, I can watch him milk For the record. Anything. Continue. Um, whatever it is, he just does... Every, the range of emotions that this, part, this, this guy conveys uh, is remarkable. And I really think that there were some interesting elements to Need for Speed. The camera angles, the way that it was sort of a throwback to old films like Bullet. And I think that there were a range of very interesting actors in this film. Michael Keaton. All right. I'm not going to mention that. <laughs> but I'm not, that, really? that happened. Um, that, you did it. No, like that you. was a really interesting choice, I think, on, on the, the casting director's part, or the director's part. But... Uh, Imogen Poots, Dominic Cooper, two actors, two British actors who are really great in smaller movies. And I'm going to really quickly shout out to Dominic Cooper here for a movie he did called The Devil's Double. Double. Check it out. I already knew you were going to go there. I'm going to go there. Great movie he was in. Again, these are actors that have done great work, but are kind of stuck in... But wanted to drive some cars around. Wanted to drive some bit. cars. You know, people need to earn a living, but... And I'm sure they earned quite a penny for that <sighs> quite one. Quite a penny for this one. But, you know, they're kind of stuck for some reason in this limbo of not-so-great movies or, or great movies that no one sees. And so they did Need for Speed. Okay. I think it's worth checking out because there is something there with these <laughs> actors. There is something, there is something on the screen there. <laughs> No, with the performances. I thought there were things that Aaron Paul did in this movie very subtly that were impressive. To be honest, though... What I'm most looking forward to with, with Aaron Paul, uh, he has five movies in development right now. Of course he does. He and just finished Breaking Bad. He's, he's going to do... For, I'm not worried about him. No. But aside from Need for, Speed, Need for Speed, he has five movies in development. They're smaller projects. Um, most of them, actually, are smaller projects. Um, Helion, which debuted at Sundance, and he plays an alcoholic widower with, with two children he's raising. Right. He does great work in smaller films like Smashed. Okay, also where he played an alcoholic... He does play drugged out really, really well, so, hey, <laughs> but he's he broke. He's finding his niche. <laughs> but he broke, just keep yeah, right, playing that role. That makes perfect sense. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. So I think what this did, I guess, this movie was just to show, all right, yeah, he did the big movie. He has money. Okay, now he can uh, do the smaller projects that we're probably going to enjoy. A Long Way Down, which is an adaptation of a Nick Hornby novel, also starring Imogen Poots, by the way. Um, boots. That looks a lot of boots love <laughs> today. Um, that looks really interesting, and, and he looks he looks like he's going to be really good in that role. Again, more understated uh, mental illness character, uh, mental illness suffering character. All the stuff we love that Aaron Paul plays so well. Um, nothing normal. That's nothing normal. <laughs> nothing normal. Exactly. So so with Need for Speed, yes, it's getting totally critically just trashed across the board. But if you look at the fan rating. On Rotten Tomatoes, it's kind of mixed. So there are people that are finding something to enjoy about it. You're this. always going to find the blockbuster crowd that really just wants to be entertained. Yeah. I mean, people... You know, I think critics forget that sometimes. Yes. A movie doesn't have to be 
the next anything any Schindler, yeah. Schindler's List something like that <laughs> I mean, you're not going to need for speed right. expecting drama and romance I mean anything really you're not going to that with anything it's an adaptation of a racing video game I, I agree there was no story there it right. was race there really was no story I don't think there was any characters in the video game this isn't even like Laura Croft where there's a character there no. wasn't it's cars Bingo. Um, but this relates to something else I wanted to quickly mention is that Divergent is getting even worse reviews than oh. Need for Speed. Now, oh. they don't have as many reviews out yet. I'm seeing them film tomorrow. I'm kind of scared. <laughs> well, I took Muppets and over. Curious. I, I let Divergent You lucky bastard. But the point is, we, it's embargoed until the release date. Now, some critics have ignored this, which usually which happens. I, yeah, that it's always curious to me how they can get away with that sometimes. Because I've done it once or twice, like, accidentally, and immediately the studio was like, please remove that. And yes, I was like, oh my God, I've sorry. had that like, happen yeah, to me, too. I've had that happen to me with not even a, a review, but I mentioned the film in, a, in an article too oh, really? far before the release, and it's immediately, they asked me to take it down, so... Uh, I think with this, it's top tier outlets like Hollywood Reporter, where I, was, I see IGN is up there. Yes, I the see, publication needs yeah, they the need the playlist. publication more than right. more than uh, more than the publication needs. Looks like it's backfiring so far. It definitely is. I mean, um, yeah. When I saw that it was embargoed till Friday, I got nervous, and then I saw some of the reviews, and I was just like, wow. And I think again, this plays into sort of the fact that when a movie is released, it has to be like something else. It has to be part of another group of films. So with Need for Speed, there's the Fast and the Furious comparisons already. Completely Obviously. different stories, completely different movies. Fast and the Furious, that was, for some reason, similar to Twilight, not in the storyline, but in the way that crit uh, audiences responded to it. No, I right? agree with that, yeah. Where you're just like, there was something there that people just couldn't get enough of. Twilight, Fast and the Furious... We'll well, never Fast know. and the Furious didn't start going downhill until Tokyo Drift, really. And then it came back up with Fast Five. Ah, but For they some were reason, never Fast critical darlings. Like, but no, you're right. Which you're is right. the confusing part, because yeah. they got panned critically. Yeah. All of a sudden, Fast Five comes out, and that's five movies into a franchise. Right, you're right. And that's when critics were finally like, I agree oh, with wait, you. this is actually kind of fun. Yeah, and it yeah. was like, since then, it's been like, wait... What it's about got the first four it's movies? gotten decent reviews. Yeah, you're right, and I think by the last Twilight, critics weren't critics were well, kind of, I mean, more, kind I think they of went warming to 50%. up. To <laughs> I think you just keep bashing us over the head with the same crap. Yeah, times and it's like it's not going anywhere. I might as well enjoy it. I, I agree with you. I think there it be, when it becomes a phenomenon and it becomes more of a cultural um, event. Then a movie, people point. do get into it. I think that happened with Twilight. It's like, oh, let's just be a part of this. Let's just enjoy it, whatever. And I think now they've tried so hard to recapture that. And then the press tries to put it in that category of, you know, you see beautiful creatures. Oh, that's the next Twilight. The host, that's the next Twilight. Yeah. Um, They're taking any young adult. The Mortal Instruments, same yep. thing, right? And all of these movies, right, Mortal Instruments, Beautiful Creatures, these were based on books where there's sequels. So many in the series. And they obviously shelved plans to move forward with them. I don't think Beautiful Creatures and Mortal Instruments were bad movies, honestly. They were okay. Um, they weren't atrocious by any means. Well, I'm not affiliated with Justine's <laughs> views in this segment. Mortal so Instruments was so freaking bad, but it was watchable. Like, I remember having a blast of that stupid movie. And I could have easily watched another three. <laughs> and that's, that's my endorsement. But... It was bad enough where it was hilarious. <laughs> exactly. Okay. It really was ridiculous. Oh, I love some B-movies, so I won't argue Exactly. With you. Right. And and I think it provided that amount of escape and just ridiculousness and over-the-topness or whatever. But again, 
same similar thing with Fast and the Furious. It's like there was something there with Twilight that people, for whatever reason, it was a bandwagon that people just hopped on. They didn't want to get off, and now they're releasing really quickly things like Divergent. You well, know. they're throwing them out there as quickly as, fast as they can. They can, they can and the scripts capitalize. are crap. Yeah, well, they want to capitalize on the fact that young adult novels are very hyped right now. I mean, mm-hmm. Vampire Academy comes out, does nothing at the box office, right. stuff like that. Right. It's going to keep happening. Mm-hmm. It's not going anywhere. And like you're saying, I mean, something like Divergent, where they greenlit how many sequels? They, I think two. They greenlit two, and, and who knows what's going to happen with that now. Are they going to move ahead with it? I don't know. Well, that's going to be based on money. We all know based that... Based on box office, you're right. It's not going to be based... Critics cannot stop a franchise. No. Money can. But I will say this. Other thing that I've noticed, right? There's a trend with greenlighting sequels to movies that didn't necessarily do that great in the first place. I don't know if that'll happen Percy here. Jackson? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> Kick-Ass, right? That didn't do so well at the box office. It was when it came out on a DVD and Blu-ray. Yeah, home video uh, Red, same thing. Uh-huh. Red killed it in the home video, and that's why And that's why they too. did Red too. So, But Hansel and Gretel, Witch Hunter, that didn't really do that great. Um, and yet it's getting a sequel. Um, now You See Me, which was really panned, apparently was a surprise yeah, sleeper hit. Money. And now they're that doing a sequel. So we don't know. If, if Divergent... Does well on home video and does well overseas, maybe. It could still do uh, again. It could still do well in the box office. I agree. Um, yeah. I mean, Twilight for how long? Like you said, mm-hmm. critically panned. It yeah, got across the board destroyed. Yeah. But you weren't gonna turn the Twihards away. No. They were gonna keep coming out, mm-hmm. and that's what they were winning MTV Movie Awards and stuff yes, like that. I remember yes. like. Freaking out one night because like I tried watching the MTV movie awards for maybe two <laughs> the Twilight minutes. Awards. Yeah, it, that's all it was. It was the yeah. Twilight Awards. There was just a like... great moment where Kristen Stewart won Best Actress over Natalie Portman. Yeah, <laughs> and she goes, "Sorry, Natalie, you may have the Oscar, but the popcorn's mine. The gold popcorn." And she's like, "Yeah, that's fine. You can keep <laughs> the statue." That but it was like this nothing. ridiculous like awareness that it oh, doesn't yeah, mean anything. Yeah, yeah. It, and that's what we're getting though. Mm-hmm. We just want movies that are gonna be that next. Yes. franchise yes. hit. I agree with you. And so we'll see what happens with this. I mean, uh, I I like Shailene Woodley. Me too. And yeah. Like, I want to see her do well. So mm-hmm. I, I really actually kind of want Divergent to be good. Because mm-hmm. everyone was really being total D-bags with the whole casting of uh, Spider-Man 2 and 3. Right, right, right. You're so right. Like, I really do want to see her succeed. So I, I think she's all right. I mean, they're... they're already just she's in a bunch of movies yeah Attack on was fantastic i mean uh i think people are already calling it like you know the year of shailene or something year. that's I what some people are saying <laughs> you're like i really wanted to do well but i don't want it to be her year <laughs> yeah, let's let's see if she can do that first let's see if divergent does well enough and then um I, yeah yeah i mean <laughs> Aside from that, we also have the Muppets coming out. But like I said, I don't get that until tomorrow, so I won't. So we don't know. I can't say anything on it yet. I am really excited though. I mean, why would I not be excited for? A I Muppet agree. Movie? Well, that's. I feel like that's a whole other thing too that's been like revived, you know, since the Jason Siegel one came out. So many properties that we see now are either remakes, reboots, mm-hmm. or franchises. And I mean, that's yeah. And uh, it's are... been said over and over again. That doesn't need to be like a real debate topic. No, but, but it's, I mean... it's important to remember because then something like Nymphomania comes out and it, that's why it is such a breath of fresh air. But look at how it kind of goes under the radar. I mean... Well, I mean, and this was something I was discussing in the press day. 
this one has been hyped up for over a year. I mean, even when they yeah. were filming oh, yeah. it. And I feel like, you know, Melancholia didn't get that kind of attention. Well, Absolutely. why? This one's, you know, supposedly porn. And Shia LaBeouf is in it, and he's well, this media... Well, because it was going the whole NC-13... Wow, sorry. <laughs> NC-13, yeah, because that's a rating. No, the whole NC-17, no one knew if it would be that next X-rated movie. Yes. Like, that was a lot of the play for a little bit. I agree. Where is this going? You're, that's a really good point, because, you know, Shame had the exact... I don't want to say the exact same hype, but around, you know, around that amount, where constantly people were talking about the nudity, the nudity, and then you see the movie, the nudity is like... Nothing, Nothing like compared to, yeah. barely in the movie. Um, and we know that that's a great film, but did people really turn out to see it? Did it get Oscar nominations? No, no. Um, so that could very well happen with this. It's it is really unfortunate, obviously, in my opinion. Um, I get that people don't want to see a two hour, as they call it, sex epic, or, or it's even longer, right? <laughs> An there's a five hour thriller. cut, yes, there's a five hour cut. Yeah, but what but, is um, in the Wolf of Wall Street then? That's oh, three that's hours point. of nudity and sex. That's all it is. Yeah, and I think this... its People don't realize how funny Nymphomaniac actually is. At least the first part. I can't say the second part. It's heard. so funny when she gets <laughs> brutally... No. Well, you don't see that part. You I just know. You don't know why she's in the alley until... Right, exactly. Second part. but So maybe that's... I think the first one's funny, the second part <laughs> that's is... That's the comedic relief that it yes, gets serious. Yes, apparently. So okay. That's what, from what three different people have told me. From the uh, three different accounts that you have. <laughs> I, I quickly also then want to go into Blood Ties. That's uh, right. That's a smaller release, another, you know, another smaller release out. Not getting much attention. Not getting really any attention. I was going to say any attention. Yeah. I hadn't heard about it until I got the press release for it, and I was like, oh, right. look, a movie. And I okay. think it's that's kind of sad. Um, it, it was in Cannes, and I know it got a lot of press there. Here's the reason why I think it's worth watching. Um, there is a great supporting cast in this movie. Now, of course, the overall cast... Um, I think why it fails on some levels is because the two leads, Billy Crudup and Clive Owen, mm -hmm. they were not as interesting to me as the supporting cast members. Zoe Saldana, Noah Emmerich, there's a French actor, Matthias Schoenertz. Um, these characters are barely in the movie, but to me they were more compelling. Marianne Cotillard's character, these are all characters they get like some screen time, you hear some of their story, and you want more. Um, and that's, I think, not a good thing, because we're supposed to care about the leads. And it's not that they did a bad job or anything, I really think it was the writing, or I feel like the casting might have been off, actually. Uh, Clive Owen is Billy Crudup's brother. Billy Crudup is a cop. His brother has been in jail for a number of years. He was the troubled kid. He was the wrong side of the tracks uh, kid. And James Conn is their father. And, again, he's a supporting character that Phenomenal. you want to see more of. James Conn. Yeah, so I think it just, something was off there. I don't know exactly what it was, but I'm um, just, uh, you know, an actor like Matthias, who did Rust and Bone with Marianne Cotillard. He's a Belgian actor. Um, Rust and Bone, another movie I have to give a shout-out to. Incredible performance by Marianne Cotillard. Did not get enough attention, um, but you see these strong actors just stealing the spotlight. Right from under the leads. Yeah, and the other thing is it's just so long. And I think it was actually written by Ian e. Kinney. He's a French actor who, one more underrated movie I'm going to just say. Throw him out there. <laughs> he was in a movie 
called Last Night with Ava Mendez and Sam Worthington and Kira Knightley. Very interesting uh, small film that no one saw. But he is a French actor that's just been doing stuff for years. Writer, director, actor. And so this film, I think, he wrote all these characters. Just so many different characters. I think maybe that an actor would write. Like, well, that would be fun to play. That would be fun to play. And I think didn't spend enough time developing specific ones more thoroughly. Um, or develop the wrong ones thoroughly. And also, I think the style of the film, it's set in the 70s. The style of the film and the music and all of that, he gets so caught up in the details of the 70s and of the score and it becomes more of a showcase of 70s music and an excuse to play 70s music. That's really cool. Um, and nothing wrong with that and that's why it's enjoyable, but it goes on too long and I think it focuses on the wrong elements of the story. So to me, uh, Marianne Cotillard's character, she is somebody that has she was married to Clive Owen's character years before. She is somebody that has to become a madam at a whorehouse at one point. And we hear some of her backstory. And I wanted to know more about that. I wanted to know more about a lot of these people. I wanted to know more about James Kahn's character. Um, and we do in stories and great monologues that they have, you do find out more. But again, I think that's what was off for me is I really didn't care about Clive Owen. And I <laughs> never thought I'd say that. He um, is one of the main characters. I don't but. know what it was because a movie like he did uh, last year called Shadow Dancer, another amazing underrated movie, I cared so much about his character. I and, and again, the character was very... The character didn't... You didn't get a lot of details on that character. You didn't get a lot shadowy. of backstory. He was mysterious. Yeah, he was. He really was this person that you weren't supposed to know more about. And yet, for some reason, you really, really cared. You were really pulled in by him. And, for, and it just did not work here. It really didn't. Um, I, even after the first few minutes of that character, I did not care <laughs> in this movie. And even Billy Crudup, you know, he is a great actor, but... It was very bland, and I, I just didn't care. Stone-faced. He was a statue. Exactly. There are a few scenes... Yes, he was. He was a statue. There are a few scenes that stand out to me, but um, ultimately, I think it becomes frustrating. Sometimes it's more frustrating to watch a movie that had so much potential. <laughs> yes. You know, and it kind of amounts to, I eh, that. as opposed to, okay, it's crap. You know, and that, for me, was this. It could have used rewrites. It could have been in development more. And, uh... I recommend it to an extent. <laughs> yeah. No, I understand that because mm -hmm. some of the things I did see at South by Southwest too, I mean, it's mm. a very varied festival. Right. So you're getting a lot of projects that are, I would call reach projects. Mm -hmm. They sound really cool. And right. you think like they could be awesome, but they try too hard to do one thing. I mean, there was one horror movie called Home that I saw. Oh. Really cool. Nicholas McCarthy, he directed The Pact, which mm. was a tight little ghost thriller. Mm -hmm. uh, not really ghost, but I'm not letting any of that. Blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm not going to give details away. Anyway, Home. Awesome scares. Like, really terrifying, mm. jump out of your seat kind of stuff. Miserable story. Wow. And it just breaks your heart because yeah. I want to, like, I want to fully back this guy. Because mm -hmm. he really makes me, like shiver in the theater it's it's uncanny what he can do with atmospheric scares and what he does to a house he's really good at 
making houses haunted. Ooh. And again, which That's is not, not easy. easy to do. No, not, he's not when it, it's been done 50 billion times. He's done it well twice. Right. And again, twice, the story has just been not where it needed to mm. be. And you're sitting there going like, I want to love this so much more okay. than I do. So I get what you're saying. Yeah. I get those movies that you watch. And Sucker you see punch? The potential. Oh man, I'm going to really go on a limb here and say, I didn't hate Sucker Punch. Oh, but... Think about the concept of Sucker Punch and all the potential and the $100 million movie that it was. And what we got. And what we ended up getting. That, I think, was more frustrating to see than just a movie that is just garbage to begin with. And we know it's garbage and that's it. Like, this had a lot of promise. Um, but we're going on. I, I gave Sucker Punch a positive review. Wow. I, I'm one of those few people. I'm going to look the other way. <laughs> hey, listen. I don't want to hear. You're a Twilight fan and whatnot. <gasps> I'm, I can judge however I want. <laughs> This is a judge-free zone. I wouldn't say fan. <laughs> did you or did you not wait in line? Shh. Exactly. I told you that I went to the, the marathon. Yep, I'm calling that out again. I Just did. so It no was $20. I don't care how much you had to pay for that. That's nothing. Five movies for $20? Oh, man. I would see That's any five movies for $20. How did I miss that Twilight? <laughs> I can't believe it. I'd see any marathon for $20. Five movies? You are much braver than I. <laughs> I would see Manos the Hands of Fate five times. Oh, Does everybody remember Manos the Hands yes, of Fate? Yes, Manos the Hands of Fate. Oh my god, I'm a horror fan. One of the worst movies ever. Exactly. But one of those cult movies that Come you on. almost have to yes. watch. Yes! <laughs> anyway, it's St. Patrick's Day. So, random question. Yes. Favorite, what would you consider a good St. Patty's Day movie? Uh, you mean like a movie that has drinking in it? I don't know. I'm, I'm throwing this to you because I have two in my mind right now. Okay, a movie is coming right to my mind because I'm thinking about drinking because I'm thinking about Colin Farrell when you say drinking and Irish things is in Bruges. I freaking love that movie. <laughs> Did you think that? Okay, that's... But that has body. nothing to do with St. Patrick's nothing Day. Nothing to do with St. Patrick's Day. I was going to throw out... Well, I mean, again, not has to do anything with St. Patrick's Day, mm. but I am so in the mood to go watch Green Street Hooligans right now. Oh, that's a really good call. I want to, like, I think I want to just go get, like, a pint but, and watch but, Green Street. But you have a million things to do. You're I do, so no, busy. I'm going to do those things, but I'm going to be doing those things the whole time going, I should be watching Green Street Hooligans. Peter Pan Donuts as well. Man, you have no idea. They have a red velvet donut. <gasps> Shut up. Yeah. Sorry, we're nerding out of that. Okay, right now. Um, this but is New York City I have to really quickly then... Because we're talking about Colin Farrell and drinking. This is just terrible, but I have to... It's a terrible segue. It's just Go. atrocious. Colin Farrell drinking. Where Colin are we going Farrell with drinking. This? No joke. Um, I have to quickly recommend something that I didn't think got enough love that's on Blu-ray this week. Winter's tomorrow, Tale. Tuesday. Kidding. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> I forgot Justine's all about that. I just broke Justine by saying Winter's Tale. I said movie, not a stroke. Oh, sorry. Um... Yeah, so Saving Mr. Banks, which is on Blu-ray this week, is a movie that has Colin Farrell, and a lot of people don't realize he's in this movie, and there's a few movies that he's in a supporting role, and he's really good, but nobody brings up. Because he gets overshadowed, I mean, not overshadowed, but for some reason they just focus on the fact yeah. that Tom Hanks was there. Right, I mean, right, right, was, and that, I'm a The major selling point for that was Tom Hanks. I, I agree with you. So, so this film is about P.L. Travers, who wrote Mary Poppins, and it's about the fact that it took 20 years to get... Mary Poppins made into a film. And right. why? Because this book was so important to her and so special to her, obviously. She wrote it. Yeah. But why specifically is what you find out in this film. 
yes, it goes into how they made the movie and how they developed the score for the movie. It's quite funny. Right. Emma Thompson is hysterical. I um, like big Emma Thompson. Yeah. And she's amazing in this. Every scene, just cold, evil, and yet you just like her. So it's about sort of the way that Disney lured her to Hollywood and tried to convince her that this movie should be made. And you f see in flashbacks her childhood and what inspired this book. And one of the main things that inspired Mary Poppins was her relationship with her father when she was younger, played by Cullen Farrell, who had a huge drinking problem. Okay. And uh, this is just a terrible so way to we, connect. I was say, now we're right back. <laughs> but into, now we're back to St. Patrick's Day. But, well, but not a fun <laughs> drinking problem. Like, no. oh, I'm drinking Irish. problems usually aren't fun. I'm Irish, love. No, it's, there are no. no funny drunken nights where it's like, oh, dude, where's my car? Um, actually, this is way long, long ago where there were no cars. There were just horses. But, this is a great <laughs> rant right now. I'm just sitting here as you are digging a grave. But continue. This is great. But he definitely goes through this horrible, horrible addiction to alcohol, and you see how it affects the family. His wife is played by Ruth Wilson, an underrated British actress. It's just all about underratedness and drinking tonight. This is, huh? um, everyone go get drunk and watch something underrated. Go get tonight. drunk and just watch underappreciated movies and yeah. actors and get upset about the fact that they're but not But then don't get enough. upset, get happy. But then drink more drink and more you'll be fine. Get, get this is that. the worst podcast of all time. Not at all. <laughs> but um, the point is that that relationship, yes, uh, factored heavily into the writing of that story and why, yes, she was so protective of it. So if you see this movie, yes, it's coincidentally very Disney-like because it was produced by Disney. Um, Disney and the movie was made by Disney. So so those scenes are gritty. Honestly, those scenes are right. gritty and, and really to hard be. to take. Yeah. But that's, I think, where the movie does have a, a little bit of a problem. It's too, like, oh, Hollywood making movies. It's so lovely. It's when it could have yeah. been, it could have been more realistic. I think it gets a little fairy tale in Hollywood eyes, which is my big pet peeve. And again, I mean, if it's um, a Disney movie, they're not. It's a Disney show. movie about Disney, yeah. right? So, so there, you know, it, later on you'll see it drags because Tom Hanks takes her. To, Tom Hanks, who plays Walt Disney, I should have, spe I did specify that, right? Um, <laughs> Tom Hanks takes Emma Thompson to Disneyland, so she goes to Disneyland. With Walt Disney. Swayed by the magic of Disney. Okay. And that is a long scene that we do not need. So yeah, I think stuff I like little... that does take away from the whole story. A fluffy. But overall, I really think it's totally worth it. Movies about movies are really cool. Movies about movies. <laughs> about. It's like movieception. Yes. Essentially. I'm very sad, though, because you said drinking and Colin Farrell. And I was hoping we were going to go with Seven Psychopaths. <gasps> Because that's an oh actual my God. movie we should that have you just could <laughs> I'm sorry. He plays that's a hilarious perfect. drunk. A, is, a drunken screenwriter. I kind the of... The best kind of screenwriter. It's so bad because I see myself in Colin Farrell when I watch that movie. Oh, I'm kidding. I'm not a... No. <laughs> I was going to, after the podcast, pull you aside and be like, <laughs> Do you need are help? Are you okay? And can I read your drunken screenplays yeah, and make I money off of them? I think that's the next part of my life is to just get drunk and write screenplays. I, I'm, I'm so going to be there for you. If you to do that like without <laughs> writing a screenplay first, uh, that'd be awesome. I love that this St. Paddy's Day podcast has now become... Colin Farrell movies we love because he, he drinks, drinks a lot. Yeah, he drinks a lot. It's, it's a lot. I mean, I can, I'm not going to gush about it, but I can gush about any McDonough Seven movie, Seven psychopaths. Any McDonough movie, I could just go on and just go on anything. Both of those guys, 
bring the babies. So we're Talk ending Irish with people. a little... We did mention say. shame with Michael Fassbender. He's half Irish, so he's only half drinking a lot. <laughs> only half dr- Now we're stereotyping. This is just getting ridiculous. Alright, I do have a long night ahead of me. I'm me still, still catching up on my South by Southwest stuff. Oh um, my god, that means so I'm still like, catching yeah, up so on your South by Southwest. I'm writing the articles waiting for your videos to be done, essentially. Ooh, yeah. I only have one. Okay. Now you're on the <laughs> clock. Okay, well, happy safe St. Patrick's Day to everyone. I hope you were all listening to this podcast without any injuries from that night. From me and Justine, follow me at Donato Mom. And I'm at Just Browning. And we would rather be at the movies. And sometimes watching TV. And sometimes writing about them. <laughs> <laughs>